What if it rained food? What if Earth was a cube? What if we had nine lives? What if bits could fly? It's absurd. If money grew on trees, if we didn't have knees, if we walked through life slightly magnetical, it's absurd. Absurd hypotheticals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show where we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner, and I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Guys, are you ready for another fight episode? I am. Always. Fights are fun. As always, for our fight episodes, we each pick a character around a theme, and then we have a civil and intelligent debate about who is going to win if they were put in a fight against each other. Our theme for this week is actually... We started with one of our old ones and kind of revisited it, ended up combining two. So it's we started with which Nicktoon would win in a fight. In just a twist of fate, the ones we picked also happened to be breakfast cereal mascots in Nicktoons. Yeah, you, <laughs> so, you say that we combined two. We literally just decided that that was the second theme like a few minutes ago. <laughs> yes, which is why I'm overly excited about it. <laughs> we were also very close to being able to combine three of them, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, the theme is Nicktoon Breakfast Cereal Mascots. Which one of them is going to win in a fight? We'll start off by introducing our fighters. Chris, why don't you start? So my Nicktoon Cereal Mascot that I chose was Reptar from Rugrats. So Reptar is a giant dinosaur thing that is very clearly a parody of Godzilla. So Reptar is like a pretty big thing in like the universe of Rugrats, but like most of the times he shows up in the show, it's like a person wearing a Reptar costume or like a robot of Reptar. Um, it was actually kind of challenging to find actual Reptar stuff, but it, it does show up a, a few times. So um, the first time that he shows up on the show is very early in the show, actually. It's um, season one, episode three. It's an episode called At the Movies. So this episode, they take Tommy, Tommy Pickles, the main character, to see um, his very first movie, and they take him to this like weird bear movie that he doesn't really pay attention at all. He doesn't like, and he sneaks away to watch a movie called Reptar about Reptar, this giant dinosaur in this movie. uh, Reptar is a dinosaur in New York. Um, He has green skin and blue spikes. And in this episode, he's shown breathing fire. He swings his tail to like knock down buildings. He punches through buildings. He does a lot of things to buildings. He like bites the buildings too just like destroying the city. Um, He's also seen strangling a pterodactyl type dinosaur. Didn't say it was a pterodactyl. It looked like a pterodactyl though. And pretty much just dominating the city. He like punches through these buildings with very, very little effort. He just like pulls the tops off of them and very easily does that. So I don't, I assume that just means he's super strong. (laughs) Wow. You're just assuming something super strong, Chris. Huh? (laughs) That's not going to cause any controversy. (laughs) He's not a uh, a toucan, so we had we, our first breakfast cereal fight mascot. I made a compelling case that toucan Sam had super strength, and Chris didn't buy it at all. We outvoted you. Ben agreed. Yeah, I also did not buy it at all. Don't <laughs> put this all on Chris. It was a group decision. Look, two people can be wrong. <laughs> I said this is going to be a civil discussion. Anyway, Reptar does have super strength because he's based on Godzilla, and Godzilla is super strong too. So that's like his first appearance on the show. After that. There, he like becomes a big part of the universe, but it's mainly through like 
obviously he's a breakfast cereal mascot so he shows up as that he shows up as reptar bars are a big thing he's just like a mascot like tommy has a, a reptar like stuffed animal but the next time that he shows up like canonically as another as like a dinosaur is in season three episode nine it's called reptar 2010 which when i heard that episode title i thought it was a parody of godzilla 2000 but apparently this episode came out in 93 and godzilla 2000 came out in 99 so it was a parody of something that hadn't come out yet (laughs) (laughs) which i guess just a testament to the writing i guess it's like a simpsons episode yeah so in this episode there's like a reimagining of the franchise of reptar and they make a a new uh reptar movie called reptar 2010 and canonically, they say that he is a T-Rex who has been transported through time. They say for no reason at all, he's just transported through time. So that's the canon. And in the movie, there are like scientists that trap him in like a block of ice. And they use things called uh, nuclear containment rings, which they call the strongest force field known to man to trap him. But Reptar is able to break out of the block of ice and very easily like get out of these containment rings so again it just shows his his strength and ability to escape things and then at the end of the episode he's shown flying a spaceship into outer space so (laughs) it kind of shows that he's like somewhat intelligent he's intelligent enough to operate a spaceship for some reason (laughs) (laughs) is this one of those deals where he just gets in a spaceship already about to leave or that he had it's like a, a parked spaceship that he like does all the controls for he's like there, he's about to take off, and the scientists are, like, waving him goodbye, and then he takes off. Interesting. <laughs> so it could have been the scientists controlling the spaceship. No. He was very clearly <laughs> controlling. There were controls in front of him, and he was moving them with his claws. So it was him. That's pretty indisputable. Yeah. <laughs> Proves nothing! <laughs> <laughs> There's another episode called Big Showdown, where he very briefly appears in the beginning, where he's, he's fighting a giant robotic ant. A very short clip, but it shows that he, he uh, very easily beats the ant in the fight so he fights other giant robots and then he also has an hour-long special that aired in season six called runaway uh reptar runaway and this was actually the first hour-long special on like nicktoons the first hour-long nicktoon special i guess um which i thought was pretty cool and i kind of assumed because it's an hour-long special about reptar this would be like a big source of like a big reference that i could use but it turns out that Like, at the very end of the episode, they reveal that it's not actually Reptar, (laughs) and um, (laughs) it's a a robot Reptar controlled by uh, Angelica. So, the real Reptar does show up in the episode at the very end, and he fights the robot Reptar. So, I guess it's just another example of real Reptar fighting a giant robot. So, that's kind of the the deal with reptar obviously the size of reptar is kind of a big thing like it's his big advantage is that he's very big Uh, so i tried to like figure out how big he actually is and the size that he's shown as is very inconsistent throughout the show so like he sometimes he's shown as big as a skyscraper in new york so i like looked up the average size of a skyscraper and it was around like 800 feet tall but then other times he's shown next to like there's one uh, one clip where he's very clearly shown standing next to a seven-story building. And I looked up the average size of a story, and it was 14 feet. So that means that he was 98 feet tall. That's a big difference from 800 feet. And then sometimes he's shown like inside buildings. So obviously, the smaller. 
So you're saying he can change his size at will? No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go that far. <laughs> okay. Since he is based off of Godzilla, I kind of use Godzilla as a model, and Godzilla also varies in size. But yeah, I'm gonna say real consistent height also there. <laughs> yeah, early early Godzilla is a little taller, uh, a little smaller than more recent. But more recent Godzilla, he's more consistently in the like 300 to 400 foot range. So I just like went right down the middle of that. I'm saying that Reptar is 350 feet tall, which is about the size of a football field. So that's how big Reptar is. And that's pretty much it. He's a giant 350-foot T-Rex who breathes fire, destroys buildings, fights robots. And that's that's his deal. Marcus, what do you do? So you might not think of these as breakfast cereal mascots first, but they do have a breakfast cereal. And they are mascots on it, so I am counting them. And I am taking my characters from the ever-popular Spongebob, and they are Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Um... So for those of you who are unfamiliar, um, this is like the the fake action superheroes in uh, in the SpongeBob universe. They are actual real life superheroes, but um, the joke in the show is that they you know are past their heyday and now they are old and in, live in a retirement home. So of course, first things first, th- they are old. <laughs> <laughs> Barnacle Boy says at some po- one point that he is sixty eight. Mermaid Man, as far as I know, has not revealed his age. But they are definitely on their way to senile based on the jokes that they make. I would assume that Mermaid Man is older than Barnacle Boy. I would assume that as well. Man Boy. Because <laughs> if he's going to be the boy sidekick, he has to be a bit younger. So maybe Mermaid Man somewhere, you know, pushing 80. Something like that. What I didn't know is that there's actually an origin story for Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. And a little caveat here. Again, this is framed a bit in their senility. So the accuracy is questionable. <laughs> but... <laughs> As presented by themselves, Mermaid Man was fell asleep on the beach and then was swept away into the ocean, got caught up in a whirlpool, and then some mermaids came to save him and put a special starfish on his nose that allowed him to breathe underwater and gave him his powers. And then Barnacle's Boy's origin story was that he was a drowning boy in the ocean who was saved by Mermaid Man, who gave him the ability to breathe underwater, not by putting a special starfish on his nose, but by putting barnacles on his lungs. Okay. That sounds bad. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> you got the worst deal. And then there's also, you know, they the, the joke in the episode, like, oh, no, that's not the real story. And then there was another story that made almost no sense. But theoretically, there's an alternate theory where they were roommates who overcooked popcorn in the microwave. And the radiation from that mishap gave them their powers and gave them to Earth gave them the urge to fight crime underwater makes more sense than some of your origin stories <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i don't get paid to make those so um go to our patreon <laughs> and then i will have been paid to make those but so so what so they are old but what powers do they have so the basic powers is they have their water balls where they can create a ball of water and throw it underwater yeah underwater so they they create a a ball of water while they're underwater and throw that ball of water it moves at uh slow speeds and has not been shown to damage anything (laughs) (laughs) they have the raging whirlpool where they team up and swim around their foe and it creates a well a tornado but it's underwater so it's a whirlpool that can you know suck up their enemies and fling them around when they use it on 
SpongeBob and Patrick, they enjoy it and have a good time in it. (laughs) And then their last power that they both share is that they can summon the creatures of the deep. So Aquaman style, they can kind of send out a signal to summon the sea creatures over to aid to aid them. In the episode that they use it, it ended up being their their retirement home attendees, (laughs) who then proceeded to actually pick up SpongeBob and Patrick and throw them out of the retirement home. Barnacle Boy has one extra power that he he shows one time, his uh, sulfur vision, which is basically laser vision that he goes and attempts to destroy a a conch shell, and the laser kind of like comes out of the eye, goes forward like a few inches, and then kind of peters out, and he's like, I'll get that later. So maybe he was tired at that moment, (laughs) but he he might have heat vision. So their base powers is not really where they're going to be making too much headway. Where they do have, I think, a chance is in all the gadgetry. So, as a superhero party, they have the the Mermelair, which is their, you know, underground cave full of crime-fighting things, gadgets galore, etc. Probably their most famous is the Invisible Boatmobile, which is a... Just what it sounds like. It's an invisible car. Well, a boatmobile because it works underwater. Funnily, it does not make the occupants invisible. It's just invisible itself. <laughs> So while they're in it, you can just kind of see them sitting in mid-air. Isn't that the same as Wonder Woman? Is it the same? Or does it actually make her invisible? I don't actually know. I think it actually makes her invisible, but they just always drew it in a weird way in the comics or something. I only know the the parodies of the actual... Yeah, that's probably what uh, I... Invisible jet, whatever they call it. I'm I'm Googling right now. (laughs) So... Basically, you can see them inside, and also you can see the the big flame coming out the back while it's moving. They have actually had episodes where they revealed what it looks like when it's not invisible. Um, And it's specifically a pink 1959 Cadillac Series 62 convertible. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So that's just, that just exists as part of the SpongeBob canon. A couple, it does have a couple, uh, you know, has a couple abilities. It can fly or swim, I guess. (laughs) It's really inconsistent that they're always underwater. Yeah. <laughs> so it can it can fly, it can drive not on the ground. It has a torpedo mode, which is not shown on screen, but, you know, you hear them announce, engage the torpedo mode, and then they get shot into SpongeBob's house. So it, I guess it effect works as an ejector seat. <laughs> they're not actually shooting torpedoes. And then there's also the origami button, which basically folds up the invisible boatmobile and the occupants into a paper crane. So probably the best way to use this is to trick your enemies to go inside it. <laughs> it's really hard with Reptar. <laughs> then they have a whole they have a whole bunch of weapons um, in the Mermelair. There's a whole wall of different weapons and gadgets that's shown, and the Wikipedia page has names for a whole lots a whole bunch of them that got zero screen time. So I don't know exactly what they do. Some of them you can imply, like the super walkie talkies. I can imagine what they do. Um, the killer paddle ball is a bit more obscure. <laughs> um, the fish bat, which is just a, looks like a baseball bat with fish fins on it. The radio-powered satellite shoe, which is a boot with a satellite dish on it. The infinity anchor, the murmurang, the power goggles, the cosmic ray, the death ray. That sounds useful. The do-it-yourself hammer, which I don't know which one of these on this wall is the hammer, but it's there. And... The Aqua Glove, which actually did get some screen time. It's this big metal gauntlet that can shoot lightning. So that's kind of the wall of weapons. I'll see if any of these end up being relevant. I'll, you know, we'll have to 
guess some of them, I guess, the powers. Some of them seem pretty useful. Like the death ray <laughs> seems pretty good. Also, the fish bat's pretty good as just a big old bat that you could use. <laughs> but there are a couple that I think are a bit more useful that got, you know, actual episode time. So we have a better idea. There's the tickle belt. So this was on their nemesis, the Man Ray, who was just a, basically just a, a big buff villain dude that had a manta ray hat, and he was trapped in the Mermelair in frozen tartar sauce. And the way they kept him in line after he was unfrozen was that he had on him, locked on him, was the tickle belt, which at a press of a button would tickle him into submission. So that one's pretty good. There's also the Orb of Confusion, which when you turn it on, creates a field of confusion around it. And so when, if you're holding, if you're like, you know, right nearby, you know, what happens is they kind of just like sit there with a, you know, drooling being like, and then the last one I have here on my list is Mermaid Man's belt, which is basically just a belt with an M on it. And it's got a button on the top, which shoots out a kind of a laser zap ray type thing that shrinks things. And so there's an episode where, you know, Spongebob gets a hold of it and he goes around basically shrinking everybody in Bikini Bottom. And uh, even switching it to W for Wumbo does not reverse the effects. Wumbo, <laughs> classic. Spongebob is great. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was great. It's just so funny because it's just like at M, which would stand for Mermaid Man. But they assume it stands for Minnie. And if you switch turn around, it turns. That obviously switches it to Wumbo. Which would mean big. Weirdly, that doesn't work out. This is where I reveal that I didn't really watch SpongeBob as a kid. What? Yeah, I know. You didn't know what Wumbo is? I mean, I knew it because I had a like I've had roommates at various point in college who were very much into SpongeBob. So I just picked up a lot like from Osmosis, but I know a lot of references and very little actual like having seen episodes. What is funny because I, I've like I rewatched some of these episodes for for the for the show. And it's like, you watch them, and I remember just, like, the ref- like the one-line references. And then they just, it's basically just a sequence of those, and the episode just ends. Like, that's, <laughs> you basically remember all the dialogue in the show. Yeah, they're all great lines. It's all just, it's just all, it's all, it's all zinging one-liners all the way down. Did you watch uh, Rugrats, Ben? Yes, I did watch Rugrats. Okay. I think I just, I think I just start, stopped watching Nick all that much, like, around when Spongebob started. I don't know why. Yeah, so the, so the last thing they do which has no noticeable effect, is that they do have, like, two rings that they, you know, hit together to combine. And whenever they're about to go into battle or whatever, they, you know, hit their rings together and do their thing where they're like, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, unite! And there's, like, sometimes some fanfare with that, but it doesn't seem to actually do anything. So I've left it off my power list, because all it seems to do is just to start the, the fun theme, you know, the fun background music. And that is Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Ben, who did you do? So I went with a slightly weirder option from a significantly weirder show. So my character is Powdered Toast Man from Ren and Stimpy. Oh, God, that show. Yeah. <laughs> and you chose him before we decided on this serial mascot thing. That's So, yeah. So originally we were talking about superheroes. And I don't remember how I wound up finding Powdered Toast Man or, or like... Whatever, but I was just like, I just gotta do Powdered Toast Man because this is just just too good. <laughs> so, for those who don't remember Powdered Toast Man, meaning I would imagine probably most people, or just Ren and Stimpy in general, or just Ren and Stimpy in general, 
I watched a little Ren and Stimpy, but not a lot. That's the same. I, I didn't really know Powder Toast Man. Powder Toast Man was a a superhero slash, of course, serial mascot. Uh, well, kind of serial. We'll get to that. Who, who basically his appearance? He's like kind of a very like like exaggerated, you know, generic superhero like super buff dude whose head is two pieces of toast with a face and a very large cleft chin. Interesting thing about his head. Uh, both pieces of toast actually have faces. There's a point where he pulls down his front, what you think is his face, to show like the back slice of bread, and there's just another face on there as well. So <laughs> is it like an angry face? No, it's just the same face. It doesn't actually really react at all. I don't know if it was just shy or what, but it's <laughs> kind of just hanging out back there. I, I I imagine it just like as like oh now I'm serious, and he pulls down the the, the happy face, and there's a serious face behind it, but it's just the same face. Yes, yeah, same face. Which so so to get to that point, so what is powdered toast? Powdered toast is not exactly a cereal. It's a a breakfast food stuff, I guess. That that it's it's basically it's, it's toast in a can. You shake it out of the can, and it becomes a slice of toast. Yeah, it's like instant toast. Yeah, um, except that it tastes like sawdust and it's not warm, and apparently it doesn't taste right unless powdered toast man farts on it. Ren Stimpy was a very strange show. <laughs> so it's not entirely clear if. It's kind of a chicken and egg situation. I don't know if powdered toast, the product, is just a byproduct of the existence of powdered toast man, or if powdered toast man was created alongside the food product powdered toast. He appears to be made of powdered toast. Um, the reason he pulls his front face down is because he was scraping powdered toast off of the back of his front face for Ren and Stimpy. He also at one point like just like flicks his wrist and makes some. I don't know, but he is food i guess which makes sense he's powdered toast man but you know he is also a superhero he doesn't have a secret identity his secret identity is pastor toastman um who's a cool youth deacon what is it pastor toastman pastor toastman yep the cool youth deacon <laughs> he wears a priest collar and a pair of glasses uh the best part about the glasses by the way is that they're actually just jammed through his head toast and when he pulls them off, there's just holes where like the arms of the glasses were sticking through. <laughs> so he has, so he has his his toast face even when he's not in his superhero form. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's the entirety of this guy is just a like priest collar and the glasses. So you got that. Powers wise, of course, his powers are, are very important here. He can fly. He can fly in a few ways. He can fly via toaster. He, like, sticks his head into a toaster and scrunches up his body and, like, pops out of the toaster and is flying. He flies backwards because he was launched out of a toaster. But he still holds, like, the Superman flight pose for some reason, just going <laughs> backwards. He can also kind of do the same thing just off of the ground. He just, like, face plants onto the ground and sort of ejects himself upwards and still ends up flying backwards. And then sometimes he just flies off normally. I don't know if they gave up on that bit and just had him fly away, like, regular. <laughs> But even when he does that, he still flies backwards for no real reason. So he flies, but backwards. He can actually fly very, very quickly. So there's an episode. There, there are a couple of... So Powder Toastman shows up in, like, commercials on Rand Stempy because he's, you know, in a a, uh, a mascot of sorts. Uh, but he also has a couple of episodes that are just, like, about him. And one of them, which sadly I could not watch because I could not find a, a like, version of it online... There's basically a, a little boy named Little Johnny who is, is in the hospital and would like to meet the president. And Powered Toast Man can't take Little Johnny there, so he decides to go and get the president instead. And he realizes that Little Johnny is about to get 
like it's about to be his nap time, so he has to fly there faster. So he flies back at warp speed, which causes him to fly faster to the point where he catches on fire. And then when he gets to the president, has actually died and burns away as a pile of ash. Um, <laughs> Ren and Stimpy was a weird show. Yeah, I'm just like I'm just like, I'm like following, follow, not follow, no, not <laughs> yep. following anymore. See, See how Ren and Stimpy goes. If I was like a little older when Ren and Stimpy was out, I I probably would have loved it. Yeah, that's kind of where I think I think. From watching the episode I was able to watch, that's very much the impression I got as well. But yeah, so he is, this says that both one, he can fly very fast, and two, he is reasonably impervious to harm. He is at least, you know, like, resilient enough that he can fly to the point where catches on fire and at a speed that would, you know, disintegrate a normal human and be okay. Oh, okay. So it was the president that burned it up, not him. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Okay. The president <laughs> burned up and, and blew away in ashes, not him. He was fine. He may also be, if not immortal, at least very, very long living. There's a, a, a segment where it he was looking through like pictures of the past and his um, accomplishments, which included accidentally causing the sinking of the Titanic because he rescued a penguin. He accidentally blew up the Hindenburg by lighting a cigar too close to it, apparently. And also just there's one, a picture of him, of uh, Richard Nixon resigning as the president, which implies that he was involved with Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> somehow they <laughs> they don't really link i wish i could have seen that part and i'm just going off of like what i can find in the wiki but he may have been responsible for watergate it's not entirely clear um so my god this show yeah there's a lot going on uh he also has a lot of of sort of weapon based attacks or not like weapon based but but weapon like attacks he has uh, high-velocity raisins he can shoot from his mouth. Uh, these are actually strong enough that he shoots down a commercial airliner with them to save a cat. Don't ask me to get into it. It's <laughs> confusing. So he can do that. Uh, he can fire hyper-corrosive croutons from his armpit by doing armpit farts. He can apparently just launch butter pats from the top of his head. It doesn't say anything else about butter pats. I think they're just butter pats. I don't know what the purpose of that is, but he can do it. Uh, and then he can launch nuclear-powered hyperacidic marmalade out of his belly button, um, which is strong enough that apparently it misses the the uh, villain who is firing them at, Waffle Woman, and uh, blasts a hole in England, sinking it into the ocean. So it's quite strong. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, yeah, that fight, they actually wind up basically destroying the entire planet between the two of them. He might be a little bit OP. I'm, we can scale him back. A little bit on that one, maybe we'll see. I mean, yeah, we, we can we can accept cartoon logic in places. For example, if you were like Mermaid Man, if I was gonna go in resiliency, ate an ice cream that was a bomb and it blew a hole through him. Like basically, his entire torso was now a hole, and he just immediately was fine after that. But I'm not gonna say he has hyper regenerative powers. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> to be fair, it is called nuclear powered hyperacidic marmalade. But but well, anyway. <laughs> I think really his big, I guess also he does also have, um, I don't know how applicable this is to anything, but I just can't not mention it. He has a lot of ways he's alerted of trouble. Um, his pants inflate sometimes, not like that. They like, like balloons all around him. They like pulse. It's weird. Sometimes his head will, oh, hold on. Where, where was it? The toast particles in his head will begin to dissipate, which apparently alerts him to danger. Or he also has, of course, his tongue phone, which is he just unrolls his very long tongue, which happens to have a speaker and like microphone, you know, like phone and sort of type in it. 
which he pulls the the speaker one up to his ear and then speaks into in a very hard to understand way because he's holding his tongue. Once again, Ren Simpy was a very strange show. <laughs> and they really liked tongues for some reason. Definitely was a, a running theme, I remember. He did actually die on Ren Stimpy. So he's not invulnerable. So he's not invulnerable. Um, the way he died is basically, and sadly, once again, this is this is an episode that I did not get a chance to watch. He was attending a dinner party, and he held in a burp because burping at a dinner party is bad manners. Uh, and the pressure of that then popped off his head, which lands on uh, the baboon's plate. I don't remember if the baboon is just a literal baboon or if it's some sort of, hold on, uh, emperor baboon. It's a baboon. It's an aggressive olive baboon. Yeah. Uh, and the baboon eats his head, and that is how Powder Toastman dies. So I guess if you eat his head, he dies. Okay, so he wasn't he wasn't dead when his head popped off. No, his head actually also popped off at one point uh, in the episode I watched because he got like an idea. His head like popped up like toast and sunk back down onto his shoulders. Uh oh! So don't give him ideas. That's his. Weakness. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So overall, I guess that's powdered toast man i don't know he's interesting very weird but he does have some fairly powerful weaponry he's definitely feels the most like a like legitimate superhero i don't know he is also i will say very very stupid i guess to go back to that you know shooting down a commercial jetliner thing what happened there was there was a kitten in the road that he saw and he realized there was a truck barreling towards it. So he flew up into the sky and shot down a, a, a airliner with his raisin breath, uh, which crashed into the truck, stopping it in front of the kitten. It seemed like everyone survived and applauded him for saving the kitten. But he then did apparently throw the kitten into traffic as he flew away. He's a little careless. So he's careless, yeah. That's yeah, as also mentioned use. by the cause of the Titanic and the destruction of the Hindenburg. So he's okay. not, yeah. He's not perfect. We'll say that. So yeah, that's Powdered Toast Man. Okay. So th- those are our three fighters. Reptar, Powdered Toast Man, and I guess there's four of them. Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Yes. So to start our actual fight, I'll set the stage. Our fights always occur in um, Central Park in the middle of, of Manhattan because it seems to be the perfect battleground for just about everybody. Is that going to be an issue for Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy? Okay, so basically... <laughs> It is noted in the origin story when he turns... So, you know, the thing on, on Mermaid Man is just a starfish on his face. He could theoretically take that off and he's a person again. Okay. So he's just an old dude? <laughs> the barnacles on Barnacle Boy's lungs, he makes a joke that he was then became a psychic because he was stuck underwater and couldn't go back to land. Now, of course, neither of these origin stories was absolutely confirmed. <laughs> and I'll say... There, there's there's kind of two issues still. You know, one way or the other, there's still two, two issues. One, if they can't breathe on land, this fight's not very interesting for my party. Right. I think we can say that they, they can breathe on land. Yeah. And, and two, if they, if we need to, if, you know, it's either that or bring you guys underwater, which I think is just as big as an advantage for me. <laughs> I feel like a lot of your powers aren't going to work on land, though. That's okay. I, they, all the water-based powers are don't work anyway. Okay. <laughs> The, you know, I lose my raging whirlpool and my water ball, which is really not going to do it. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's fair. So Reptar is actually from New York, so Central Park is like home home turf for him. So home, home field advantage? Actually, so interesting thing. I just remembered. Uh, Powder Toastman also fight, fought Spider-Man 
who is a New York-based superhero. Like, actually Spider-Man? Yeah, it was actual... So, apparently, at one point, Marvel had a Ren and comic book, and there was one that was, like, Powdered Toast Man was corrupted by Dr. Donut or something, <laughs> and was evil, and Spider-Man had to, like, pour milk on him so he wasn't crusty anymore or something, which made him not evil. I don't remember exactly. But at the end of it, he punches Spider-Man through a wall. How did they get Spider-Man on the sh- like? Is it like the actual? No, this Spider-Man? was this it's was like in, comic, this was right? in this was in a a Ryan Simpson comic book made by Marvel. So what? Yeah, <laughs> there was a Ryan Simpson comic book. Okay, it had at least six <laughs> issues because this was issue number six. Sure. Okay. So anyway, we're gonna go. We're gonna start at Central Park. We're gonna just take for granted so that we have actually have a fight that one they can survive above the wall you know not in water um also two and this is just kind of a issue with the spongebob shows that the sizes of things are inconsistent like there's a running joke in spongebob like you know not a running joke but like sometimes they'll interact with real people and they'll be the size of you know a starfish or a sea sponge which is not big like you know handheld size yeah right. i was actually gonna bring that up <laughs> and you know mermaid man and bronco boy are originally human but are the same size as the Bikini Bottom residents. But also, like, even the main characters, like a squir- like Sandy, their squirrel friend, is also the same size as everybody else. And that would also be too big. So I'm going to, you know, ask for a stay that they are just regular human size because they are, you know, humans. That makes sense, yeah. I'm, okay. I think that that's reasonable. Okay. So where do we want to start? So I think the obvious place to start is that you have the mini shrink ray thing and I am a giant monster. Yeah, I was going to, that's a good place to, I, I was, I was, that was going to be my first, my opening salvo, but you've now taken it away from me. I mean, now, I, think I don't get to feel it's clever. obviously where you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So while Ben was going on his, um, on his rant about all the crazy fucking things that Toastman does, I was checking to see how much the shrink ray actually shrunk things. And so I looked up, because at the end of the episode, he shrinks all of Bikini Bottom, which would probably be the max power. Um, so I put shrink Bikini Bottom into Google and got a lot of good tips on how to shrink actual real-life um, bottom parts of bikinis. I was going to say, that was not going to be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, have the, I do have the clip from the episode. So the tallest building in Bikini Bottom is like this big fan like it's a looks like a, a wind turbine look at the people that he shrinks isn't that an easier way to do it well the wind turbine is about as tall as spongebob is so the tallest building is human sized and given that if we oh. can see reptar is building sized he comes down to close to human size the people are tough to tell because they're like the height of his like bare, like half of his shoe they're very small they're like an action figure size um smaller like a like a monopoly piece i very size. distinctly remember patrick playing with them like an action figure yeah but then they got smaller than that oh okay i guess it's inconsistent because it's a cartoon yeah i'll send you the i'll send you guys the photo mm, okay so we we have to shrink so it assuming that the first thing we do is shrink reptar to a reasonable size which again may or may not happen at the start of the fight but given if we do that maybe reptar's like probably still he's still probably big like 10 foot okay yeah i can go with that and he still breathes fire <laughs> he's still yeah he still breathes fire oh man i only had a water ball <laughs> <laughs> that's really yeah you're i mean it's a little weird because he's it's a water ball but it's underwater does it still work if it's not underwater <laughs> it's not powerful enough to do anything <laughs> 
I also think that Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy are very incompetent, and I don't know if they would successfully shrink ray Reptar. <laughs> so here's the thing. They are senile, but they have their moments of heroism. So it's like the... Um... They very consistently fail on the show. <laughs> <laughs> So they do and they don't. Like, yes, they oftentimes their 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 oldness and senility oftentimes gets in the way of what they're doing. But what they'll they'll switch to their hero personas occasionally. Again, everything's wildly inconsistent, so we can try and put some numbers on it in a second. But it's like they'll literally like change the voice, which I love so much as like a gag, where it'll be like you know talking senilely, and then he'll be like. Creatures of the deep attack, <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> he's he's got he's back to his old he's back to his old self. Do you have an example of them successfully doing something that they've been that they try to do? Uh yeah. So so the first episode when um they exhibit the they show the water ball and the other powers, and basically the way the episode goes is SpongeBob Patrick are big fans of the show. Squidward tells them that they live in the retirement home and they, they, you know, gush, they, you know, they freak out as fans and go over and gush over them and annoy the crap out of them. And so then they're, you know, the, the joke is SpongeBob and Patrick are trying to get them to come out of retirement and be heroes again. And they come out of retirement to count SpongeBob and Patrick as villains. And so then they switch to their, you know, they do the thing and they start attacking SpongeBob and Patrick. And so they do the water balls um, and then they do the, the Raging Whirlpool, and then they summon the Creature of the Deep, all which they do, you know, focused and competently. Like, once they switch to that mode, they do all the things. But they don't, they're not effective. <laughs> well, the summon the Creature of the Deep was effective. It did summon the Creature of the Deep, who happened to be old, but they did throw SpongeBob and Patrick out of the retirement home. I don't think that's what they were trying to accomplish, though. I think they were trying to, like, destroy evil, because they thought they were evil. Well, no, the, the, the goal was, you know, the, their goal was to summon the Creature of the Deep, and the okay, Creature of the Deep got summoned. I mean, to be fair... They did just call people around them over to them. I don't know. No, there's a whole sonar thing, and this wave went out, and the, <laughs> the, the sound waves traveled into individual rooms and, you know, popped. And, you know, then the, the old people were like, oh, and then they followed. So their powers were weak because they're old, but they didn't have any issues right. thinking to you or focusing the, on using them. The All shrink right. ray wouldn't be old. It would still be effective. Yeah, yeah. Like fully effective. Yes. It's just whether they would actually use it. That's kind of what I'm saying, is that there's going to be, yes, a percentage of the time where senility gets the best of them and they just, like, nap instead of fight. Okay, so I guess the real argument is just what percentage of that is going to happen. <laughs> How often is that going to be a thing? Yeah. So what do you think the odds of that happening are? So I'm going to say it's pretty dang obvious in that you, you just said that's the obvious thing. You It's your words, not mine. It is the obvious thing uh, for a not senile person. <laughs> I, they don't. I will, they usually don't think of the obvious thing. I will back Marcus on this one actually, just because I feel like three hundred foot or three hundred fifty foot tall, excuse me, monster is going to be enough that they can focus on it. <laughs> like I'm still gonna say it's like seventy thirty or something. Seventy thirty. They are seventy percent that they use the shrink rate, thirty percent that they like. <laughs> i'll give you six i'll give you i'll give you i'll give i'll say 60 i think it's 60%. definitely they're more likely not to and no that i don't agree with i 100 percent think that's the case <laughs> <laughs> well let's put up to a vote <laughs> i rewatched these episodes in preparation for this this <laughs> podcast 
And they As are senile. I, less than an hour ago. <laughs> I've never seen these episodes. I will not go lower than 50-50. Fine, then 50-50. Because I'm not going lower than 50, or higher than 50-50. Then 50-50 it is. <laughs> Science. Well, I'm just going to be all 50-50. It's like, okay, we get it. It's a 16th. <laughs> I'll also say that this 50% also encompasses, the, like, if anything else, you know, if... Uh, Powder Toast Man, you know, starts fighting Merman Barkle Boy separately from Reptar or anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. Is that? That's not usually how we do these, right? We usually focus on two people, don't we? Is that how we always do it? I've got numbers in a spreadsheet already. Okay. Uh, you, you're <laughs> the spreadsheet person, so I'll trust you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's focus on the one where maybe maybe let's resolve if Reptar is not shrunk. If he's not shrunk, I think Merman Man and Barnacle Boy are pretty much done. Yeah, I would agree with that. Do you have any argument for Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy if full-size Reptars roaming around? So I'm looking at what things they have that could affect a giant monster. <laughs> Do you think one of Reptar's toes is particularly t- one of Reptar's toes particularly ticklish? I don't think you could fit a tickle belt around his toes. <laughs> I mean, unless I unless I I'm like, oh, the Death Ray. I don't have the Aqua Glove shoots a lot of lightning. It does reduce SpongeBob and Patrick to a pile of ashes with eyeballs. Lightning is is that's effective, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to tell how that would affect Reptar. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say effectively no. Effectively not much that Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy are gonna be able to do against Reptar in this situation. That seems fair. I do still think Powder Toast Man has a chance though. I agree. So Powder Toast Man is also a little bit you know, success challenged sometimes. <laughs> like, in in the episode I watched, he does successfully save the Pope, but he also, like, you know, there's a thing with there's the There's a lot of collateral he, damage. Yeah, a lot of collateral damage. That's why I'm almost wondering if, like, the biggest risk for you guys is if there's, like, a cat stuck on a tree or something, and you just happen <laughs> to get destroyed in the process of him trying to, like, deal with that. So, Merman Man and Barnacle Boy are not going to be attacking a cat, are not going to be threatening a cat in a tree. Reptar is going to be threatening a lot of cats in a lot of No, buildings. Reptar is actually a hero. That He, he starts out, he's kind of like Godzilla. He started out as a villain, but in later iterations, he's a good guy. Did you not tell talk about how his whole first thing was ripping buildings apart? That, yeah, that's the yeah, first that the appearance start, yeah. that he has. But then he becomes a good guy. And the whole... So the hour-long special thing, the whole premise is that he is, like, destroying the city and, like, Tommy and the rest of the gang... Okay, so the whole premise is he's destroying the city. Got it. Tommy and the rest of the gang are like, that's not right. He's supposed to be a hero. And then they find out that it's not real Reptar. It's a robot Reptar. And the real Reptar saves them. So Reptar is a, a hero. Like, he's not going to be malicious. He's not going to attack uh, cats. I don't, I don't even think it's the fact that, like, either of you would be threatening the cat. It's just the fact that he's trying to save a cat in a tree. And right. in the process of dealing with that... You happen to get hit by like corrosive croutons or whatever. So fire doesn't really affect him, right? Because I I breathe fire. Yeah, I mean, okay. all we have to go off into that is the flight thing. Yeah, right. But if I eat your head, then you die. Like most things, that includes just eating your entire body. Because I assume that's what Reptar would do if he was. I don't think he can pinpoint just your head. <laughs> right, I would imagine so. Um, so that I guess that's the path to winning for Reptar's eating you. Yeah, that's probably the cleanest path. You know, it, it is going to be tough for Reptar to eat him because Powder Toast Man will be flying backwards, which has got to be disorienting. <laughs> <laughs> Reptar is also shown um, 
successfully doing what he's trying to do consistently. Like he always, he's pretty much always wins the fight when he's fighting someone or fighting like a robot in the movies. Yeah, he does feel much more focused than either uh, Power Toast. We can't or... give Chris that Reptar is the smart one. God, I <laughs> think it's we a have fucking to, lizard. Though. He flies a spaceship <laughs> and Marcus... he like listens to Tommy and like communicates with them. Marcus, so he doesn't talk facts. to him. But... We have to <laughs> use the facts here. What, what's, what, what's easier, a spaceship or an invisible boatmobile? Probably an invisible boatmobile. You can't see the buttons, though. And one of them is the origami button. You got to know not to hit that. That's pretty smart they right there. Lose, memorization. They lose the invincible, invisible boatmobile, though. I feel like they fumble with it. I don't, I don't remember exact examples, but... They fumble finding it all the time. And the, the, the repetitive gag is that Barnacle Boy always finds the back end where the engine is. Oh, yeah. And then Mermaid Man turns it on and burns them with the exhaust. <laughs> Reptar, so they always show Reptar fighting like a, a big thing, though. They don't, they never show him fighting like a small person or like a small superhero or anything. So I don't really know how he would deal with that, but he deals with big monsters very well. I mean, I guess we could say, is Powder Toast Man strong enough to fight a big monster? I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. It does sound like yes. And he also has the advantage that most of his, his like attacking is at a distance, which if the end goal is eating does help i do feel like there is a chance that he like just accidentally flies into reptar's mouth oh yeah no that is a hundred percent a a very real threat i was actually gonna bring up that exact possibility i think that's really the only way that reptar wins though like but i think that that's what happens if he tries to fight reptar if he puts his mind at fighting reptar he's going to fly into his mouth or something like i think that's what happens is that like if he's distracted He's going to wind up like accident, you know, unintentionally destroying most of New York City, including the two of you. Okay, so what percentage do you think he'll is the chance that he'll get distracted or that he'll try to fight Reptar? Because that seems to be the the defining moment. Right. In the the episode I watched, he does like five distinct things, and the only one he's fully successful at is saving the Pope. But he's half successful at saving the kitten. And he does successfully get the president unstuck from his zipper. Although he does have to take over as a president because he's like injured afterwards. So it's like two successes out of five. Out of five. <laughs> okay. One so, full, so one you just want to give yourself ones. 40%. <laughs> so 40%. <laughs> and yes, by the way, the plot is that the, the president gets his dick caught in the zipper and Powder Toast Man has to get it out. That is an actual plot line from the episode. Okay, and this was on Nickelodeon. Yep. Interesting. He ties a string to it and ties to a door and slams it. <laughs> to the zipper. The string is tied to the zipper. Let me make that clear. <laughs> okay, so is that the percentage you're saying? I'm going to say 40%. The success rate, 40%. Okay. All right, let's... Let, let's, let's I think that kind of resolves that fight because Mermaid Man does not have a chance here. Yeah. Do you want like half a percent or something? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take I'll take a half I'll take a half of that. Go with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who am I taking it from? I'm taking it from Reptar. That's <laughs> of course you are. Fine. Oh no, now it's not fifty fifty anymore. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> the long game. <laughs> <laughs> I put the, I'm making sure I put the decimal in the right spot. All right. So shrunk so, Reptar next situation. Up, so basically, on the other side of the coin is we have t- we have regular sized Reptar, um, and by regular size I mean small Reptar. Powder Toast, and Merman Barnacle Boy. The small Reptar, I think, definitely loses against Powder Toast Man. 
probably. I mean, he can still eat him, sort of. So it's just harder for him to eat him. Yeah. He's not going to accidentally fly into his mouth. (laughs) Powder Toast Man has to fly his head into Reptar's mouth in this situation, (laughs) which, once again, not impossible. So what what are the odds that Powder Toast Man is destroyed if he gets damp? So Spider-Man does turn him good by soaking him, him in milk. Mm. But that doesn't injure him. So when he gets dry him, and crusty, he turns evil, not, and, but he doesn't, it doesn't seem like he has a... I mean, he could. It could be that if you over-soak him, he would, he would become mushy and it would destroy him in some way. Like, wet toast is not good. I think the two things that I have, or actually, well... I mean, you can shrink right, so powder one thing toast I, thinking, I could also continue using my shrink ray... Entering Powder Toast Man. Yeah. Oh, can you use it multiple times on one target? I don't actually know. It's unclear. <laughs> Maybe I, I didn't get a chance to watch that specific episode because I thought I remembered it pretty well. But I wonder if I think Squidward might go through two size changes to get to the very tiny version of himself. I will say one caveat on shrinking people too much is that in the episode, basically SpongeBob shrinks everybody and puts them in a jar. And then when they find out that not even Mermaid Man knows how to make people big again. They get, they write against SpongeBob and what they do is they invade his internal organs and beat them up <laughs> from the inside. So you don't want to do that. <laughs> um, so shrinking down Powder Toast Man might not even be the solution. It might not just be like, oh, you're, you know, tiny and you can't yeah, win. You might make him more dangerous, actually. <laughs> you could, Yeah, you could still punch me in the spine, but from the inside now. <laughs> it does, it does bring us back. So... I think what happens is that then he has the same odds of flying into into tiny reptar's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so if you shrink both of us, then the odds are the same. The odds are the same for a reptar and powder toast man, and probably the odds are the same that you accidentally fly into mermaid man and barnacle boy's mouth. That's actually true. That that's probably the worst case scenario for you because then there are three mouths. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So if Powder Toast Man is caught in the shrink... So basically, the scenario I imagine is Powder Toast Man has gone to, like... Has gone flying against Reptar, and then the shrink... Against the giant Reptar, and then the shrink ray happens, and you bo- you get caught in the blast, kind of. Mm-hmm. And both are shrunk. And both are then shrunk. So that's seems less likely to me than just only reptar getting hit maybe like 25 percent. yeah and i, I also don't think you would like necessarily aim for powder toast man so i don't think he would be the only one to shrink yeah right so so powder toast man is a tiny powder toast man he's going to probably still be the strongest if you could just go around and superhero punch people around i'm gonna give you your same 40 percent here ben yeah that's fair I think Mermaid Man and Barnacle have a, a better chance against Reptar if he's just a regular size. I'm going to actually say we should drop Powder Toast Man like 25% to account for the extra mouths. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Triple the amount extra of mouths. mouths. Here they are. Um, <laughs> Mouth adjustment. I don't think they have a great chance against just like a big old fighty lizard. Um, the gloves help. Lightning helps. I don't think... Reptar would be ticklish if we, if I got that tickle belt on him. <laughs> if you took a Reptar, he's just going to like breathe a bunch of fire as he laughs. Is this a bad thing? Yeah, he does breathe fire. Maybe like, I feel like it's maybe 20% Mermaid Man, Barnacle Boy, and the rest goes to Reptar there. I can see that. That seems fair, yeah. All right. So now the other scenario is full-size Powder Toast Man, regular-sized Reptar, then Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. 
So at this point, Powdered Toast Man's odds are pretty fucking high. Because he can't be... Well, he can still be eaten. It's just a lot smaller chance yeah. that he's eaten. Well, I don't think he can get eaten when he's full size and we're all... Well, it's just his we're, head. We're all the same size. It's just his head needs to be eaten. Reptar could eat his head. Yeah, like, the way he died in Ren and Stimpy is that a baboon ate him. So it doesn't have to be a giant thing. Yeah, but I feel like I think that accidentally flying into a mouth is no longer on the table. That's true. And I think the That's odds fair. of getting a bite in are, are especially because he flies backwards. <laughs> so you would accidentally put your foot in my mouth, right? Basically, like I think what happens here is I think if it's just Powder Toast versus Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, I think Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy with their gadgets have a be- a pretty good chance of outsmarting Powder <laughs> Toast or out it's competency. <laughs> difficult to tell who's more competent if nothing else that there's just two of them and two things have to go wrong to that's what i was that's what i was gonna say is that with two of them even if they're all equally likely to do something like you know to not be competent you have two shots at someone being competent i also say brownicle boy is the the no nonsense one of the two mermaid man is you know he'll do anything brownicle boy will will keeps his head you know he keeps a cool head generally yeah, I do think Barnacle Boy is probably more rational than Powdered Toast Man. I, I'd agree with that. Powdered Toast Man is way stronger than both of them, though, if he's, like, if he manages to be competent. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think it's something like 60% Powdered Toast Man here, or maybe, like, 50%, and, like, split the, re- like, will, is regular size Reptar have a chance? I think there's a small chance with just eating his head. Yeah. I'd say there's like a 10% chance Reptar can eat uh, Power Toast yeah. Man's head. All right, and that'll leave and that'll leave the remainder for Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Um, so basically, once everyone's the same size, half the time Power Toast Man is just a giant superhero that's just going to win because he's way more powerful than us. Right. 10% of the time, Reptar bites him in the head, <laughs> and 40% of the time, <laughs> Barnacle Boy keeps his wits about him. All right, guys, I think I have all the numbers I need. That's all the scenarios calculating results <laughs> one moment please all right the results are in unsurprisingly in third place with a honestly surprisingly high win rate of 17.8 percent oh, that's not bad is mermaid man and barnacle boy and now this is probably the closest fight we've had Ooh. are you gonna say the winner not second place I'm going to say the winner. Okay. The percentages, one, the second place has a 40.4% win rate. Ooh. And the winner has a 41.9% wow. win rate. So <laughs> less than close. 2% difference between the two. And the winner of the Nicktoon cartoon fight, Serial Mascot Edition, is Powdered Toast oh, Man! That's close. He is the truest cereal mascot of the three of them, to be fair. It's not even a cereal. That's okay. You know what? <laughs> I make a compelling argument. But, I mean, he kind of earned it. He's, yeah. he's strong. He is strong. Yeah, he, he has legitimate superpowers. And we didn't even use his England sinking atomic ray powers either. <laughs> right. He did miss his target with that, so. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. <laughs> what i figured this is also ben never he always had you know he was consistent he always had at least a 25 percent chance to succeed and it was always foiling himself based on number of mouths <laughs> <laughs> number and scale <laughs> number and scale of mouths is his only limiting factor and there you have it folks next up is 
more arguing because we move on to our would you rather question. Chris. Yes. Would you rather take a bath in bourbon or coffee? My instinct is coffee because bourbon is a pretty harsh liquid (laughs) and I like coffee. I don't necessarily like bourbon to drink. You don't drink your bath water. Yeah, but it's going to be like, there's going to be vapors that come out of it, like evaporatingness and the smell. You're going to smell it. I'm just going to put it, I'm going to start by putting, is coffee good for your skin? (laughs) I mean, I imagine both are bad for your skin. I will say bourbon will, I assume, at least sanitize you. I think you can actually get drunk like that, right? That's a very good question. All right. So starting with coffee. And this is the Google splash result, not even clicking any links. Is coffee good for your skin? Results of a study from 2013 suggest that substances in coffee also help promote healthy skin. Is that drinking coffee, though? Not bathing in coffee? (laughs) It's probably drinking coffee. I would assume it's drinking coffee. (laughs) Hmm. No, because um, it says caffeic acid and antioxidant may boost collagen levels and reduce the the premature aging cells. Caffeic acid also has antimicrobial properties, which means it may help protect the skin against germs, which must mean that you're talking about, oh yeah, it says coffee for skin and hair, eight benefits and how to use it. I feel like that's still drinking it. Oh my God. There is a spa in Japan that has a coffee like pool. I hate it. It looks, it looks like something on Willy Wonka. Oh no, it's black. They're home to multiple food and drink race spas, including wine, tea, ramen, and coffee. Uh, apparently you do absorb caffeine to your skin. Okay, and you don't get drunk from bathing in alcohol. Okay. So that's a thing. You'll get, you'll, if you take a bath in the morning, you'll wake up a little. Cool. (laughs) Second Google result, is bourbon good for your skin? Bourbon contains antiseptic properties. Bourbon is loaded with antiseptic agents that remove embedded bacteria and dirt on the skin. When paired with the right combination, it can perfectly cleanse your skin without causing any irritation. So it's probably more effective as an actual bath, like hygiene. Yeah. So it really is like, do you want just like a bracing, like sanitation, or do you want a coffee bath? Is, so is this replacing your normal like shower or bath? Uh, I, I don't think it can, because in both cases, you are so gross and sticky afterwards. And it's tough to tell if bourbon sticky is worse than coffee sticky. Okay. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. Are you doing this continuously or is it a one time thing? Let's say one time. I still go with coffee because, like, coffee smells is great. I'm going to go with bourbon, I think, because I feel like I feel like you're not going to smell. How much are you going to smell like? You're going to smell a lot like bourbon, aren't you? Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) Like bourbon's not a bad smell. There's like bourbon is a smell in like some colognes and stuff. Yeah, but like a huge... Like, usually you smell it in small doses. Yeah. You're in a huge tub of bourbon. Right, but, like, when you got out of it, would you smell good? I don't think so. I don't think you smell good getting out of the coffee bath. I think you might smell good coming out of the bourbon bath. I don't, I, I disagree with that, but... So, if you have small cuts... Oh, God. The bourbon bath is pretty rough. Yeah. But, I mean, that sanitizes the cuts, right? It does. Yes! Net good for you. Also <laughs> painful. So one thing I just realized I might be a little worried about is, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I feel like if I took a bath in coffee, it would stain my skin. Mm. Mm. 
That might be true. So with that in mind, and I don't know if that's a legitimate fear or if that would really happen. Yeah, I don't know if that would But I would not take the risk that I come out and I am just like coffee colored from, you know, the shoulders down. So I'm going to go with, even though it may be painful and horrible, bourbon bath. I think I would just rather, this sounds ridiculous. I can't even say it. I can't say I'd rather smell like bourbon than coffee. (laughs) I think that I am more likely to enjoy smelling somewhat of bourbon than somewhat of coffee. I just searched if you, if coffee can stain your skin. And one of the results was three ways to tan skin with coffee. (laughs) (laughs) It was a wiki how though. So I don't know how legit that is. All right. I think I'm going to also go with bourbon. I'm going with coffee. Coffee is just a way more, in my mind, it's a way more pleasant experience. Is it warm? Is it warm coffee? It's whatever you want, buddy. I mean, iced coffee, either one I think is kind of pleasant. <laughs> It'll eventually be lukewarm no matter what. So yeah, that'll that'll do it. That's, what, that's our would you rather of, of bourbon and coffee. If you wanted to take that morning coffee that you had and just be like, oh, I don't need this today and save yourself that money. You could use just a small portion of that money you saved on your coffee and go to www.patreon.com slash absurdhypotheticals and become a patron to the show for just one dollar. Just one singular dollar. And what that does is, one, it shows that you love us and that we love you. And it's a big old happy um, kumbaya hug there. But also you get access to our behind the scenes episodes where we talk about making the show. We test out new formats and things we brainstorm future types of episodes we do lots of different things on the behind the scenes episodes they're a lot of fun and definitely worth checking out so go to the patreon.com slash absurd hypotheticals and click that button but in any case you can join us next week when we answer the following question what if everyone lived in a shell you know like a hermit crab